Well, good morning. Welcome to South Bay. Uh, we're excited to continue our series, God Inside, uh, study on the Holy Spirit. I, when I was in seminary, um, I remember this phrase that my professor would always use, and till this day, it sticks in my mind. But he was telling us as future pastors to, to, to encourage, he's encouraging us to have healthy churches. And so he would say this thing, he says, make sure you flatten the hierarchy. He says, flatten the hierarchy. What does that mean? Well, he was kind of pointing to this, this, uh, this fact that a lot of organizations, including churches, kind of fall into this 2080 kind of thing. Have you guys heard of the 2080 rule where 20% of the, the people are doing 80% of the work? And, and he was saying a lot of churches, only a few people at the top are doing most of the work. He says a healthy church is where you flatten that hierarchy and 100% of the people are doing 100% of the work. That's a healthy church. I look at our church, and, and to be honest, I am so thankful because I don't think South Bay falls into that infamous 2080 statistic. I, I see people here, and you guys roll up your sleeves, and you guys serve. You know, thinking about VBS coming up, we have over 275 kids, 280, I believe. We have 200 volunteers to make that happen. 200 people serving the kids of this church. That's amazing. We have dozens and dozens of people going out to the mission fields, and that's not the pastors going out. That, that's you guys going out. So I think way more than 20% of the people here do the work. With that being said, I realize that we can, we can be a church where 100% of the people are doing the work of ministry, but we can still be an unhealthy church. How so? Well, when I was uh, growing up, they had us take this class to prepare us for our middle school years, um, sex ed. And so the purpose of that class was to prepare us for changes that were going to happen and take place in our lives. And they just didn't want us to be caught off guard. So they started saying, these things are going to happen. Just be ready. And so they said things like, you're going to start seeing pimples on your face. Check. Got that. They said, your voice is going to start cracking. Check. Got that. And they said, your voice is going to get deeper. Still waiting for that one, right? <laughs> uh, I'll get there one day. Um, but one thing they said was that you're going to start sweating a lot more um, in all sorts of places, and you might have this body odor. And that one scared me. That, that one uh, scared me the most. But they said, don't worry, you can buy the stuff at the store called deodorant and antiperspirant, and that'll help limit your sweat and your body odor. So I remember going to my mom and saying, Mom, can we, can we, can we go to Pick and Save? You guys remember Pick and Save? Amen? Yeah, a lot of cheap people in this place. Uh, <laughs> we, we were cheap, and so we went to Pick and Save, and I remember getting my first bottle of antiperspirant deodorant. There's this little green bottle, and it wasn't a deodorant stick. It was liquid. How many of you guys remember roll-on deodorant? You guys remember roll-on deodorant? Yeah, a lot of old people in this place. Uh, but I got, I, I got roll-on deodorant, and I would apply this stuff faithfully. Like once I hit middle school, every single day, because I didn't want to be that kid who was sweaty and smelly. And yet as faithful as I was to apply that stuff, I would still come home some days super sweaty and Super smelly. And I was thinking, why isn't this stuff working? They said this stuff would work. And then I realized what was happening and why, wasn't, 
why it wasn't working one day when I was applying my deodorant, rolling it on, and my sister walks in on me applying this stuff, and she's laughing hysterically. She's just laughing. I'm like, what? She's like, you're not supposed to roll the deodorant on your face and your neck, you moron. And, <laughs> and what I was doing, I was rolling it on all the places where I sweat, on my leg, literally on my legs and my calves, under my legs, everywhere except where it belonged. I was applying it in all the wrong places. And a lot of times, we as a church, we can jump into ministries and start serving for whatever reason. Maybe there's a vacancy or because just because I feel like I need to serve somewhere. And we could jump into ministries without ever stopping and asking ourselves, what gifts have God given me and where should it be applied? We could apply service in all the wrong places. Well, today we are talking about the Holy Spirit, and we've been going through, in this series, different manifestations of the Spirit, evidence that He's in our lives. We've heard about the fact that He has come to help us. He baptizes the believer. He convicts the believer. He seals the believer. He fills the believer. He empowers the believer. So, So we've been talking about different manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I think one of the clearest manifestations of the Spirit is through the gifts that he gives us, the spiritual gifts. Every person who has the Holy Spirit of God living in them has also been given grace gifts. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God has given various manifestations of his grace through these different gifts each of you should use it to, to serve. And so today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bible, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to spend our whole time in this chapter. And as you turn there and get ready, I want to pray and ask the Spirit to come and speak to us. Would you guys join me? And so, Lord, we, we come uh, right now with open hearts and we ask that you would just get us ready, prepare us for all that you have to to teach us today. God, I pray that whether we have a relationship with you already, or maybe we don't, maybe this is um, someone's first time in the church, God, I pray that you would work in such a way that all of us can see uh, the truth of your word, that we would believe it by faith, and that we would know without, without a doubt that God, you are God, and you love us, and you're gracious, and you're speaking to us. So God, Lord, I pray that you would take over this time. Lord, may this be way more than just a message from a man on the stage. May this be truth that pours out um, from your spirit, through your word, into our hearts. And so we give you this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We recently taught a class here at the church, a preaching class, um, just gathered um, so, some people together and, and taught this class. And one of the lessons was on communication. And there's this communication tool that we taught called restatement. Because how many of you guys know that if you really want to drive home an important point and you want people to retain that information, re- repetition is good. Amen? Like it's good to repeat things over and over again. But if you repeat the same thing three times, you can start to sound like a robot. If you repeat the same thing three times, you begin to sound like a robot. If you repeat the same thing three times, you begin to sound like a robot. Amen? 
But restatement is saying the same thing multiple times, just in different ways. So you don't sound like a robot, but you can still drive home the same point. And at the same time, as you're restating it, you could give different nuances to that piece of information or that truth. I love that in the Bible, Paul does that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, starting from verse 1, we're talking about spiritual gifts. So in verse 1, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I, I do not want you to be uninformed. So inform us. What are you going to teach us? Go to verse 4. Look what he says about the gifts. He says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. You can pause right there. So what Paul is doing, he's emphasizing over and over and over again this truth about our gifts, which manifest in different services and different activities. What's the truth that he's trying to hammer home? Who's behind them all? It's the same spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same God. One person, God, is behind our gifts. However we serve with them, however we act with them, it's God. So write this down. Truth number one, if you're following along in your notes, um, you could find it in the app as well. But truth number one, the Holy Spirit directs the spiritual gifts according to his purpose and power. The Holy Spirit directs the spiritual gifts according to his purpose and power. I'll give you guys a moment to write that in. But I was thinking about it. A lot of people often ask this question. How do I know if it's a spiritual gift or if it's just a talent? Like merely a talent that I have. Like, for example, what if somebody's just really good at communicating and really good at speaking? Does that mean that person's spiritual gift is preaching? Or what if a person just has a lot of popularity or a big following? People just like this person. Does that make leadership? that person's spiritual gift? Well, here, here's how I think we can tell the difference between something that's merely an, an ability, a talent, and a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift, obviously, is something given by the Holy Spirit, but here's the criteria. It's under the direction of the Holy Spirit to be used according to His purposes by His power. It's under the Holy Spirit's direction. Right, for, for example, this is a little bit extreme, but take Kim Jong-un, for example. Cl clearly not a Christ follower, but, but he's a leader. I mean, he leads an entire nation. He leads a, a powerful army. But does that mean that leadership is his spiritual gift? Well, obviously not. Why? Because he has an agenda that's entirely different from the agenda of the Holy Spirit. It's a totally different purpose that he's using it for other than the purposes of God and his word. And so, yeah, he can lead, but the Holy Spirit isn't directing that. So, no, it's not a spiritual gift. And so whatever gift you have, whatever activity that you participate in, whatever service, you know it's a gift of God when he gives it to you, but not only gives it to you, but he's using it for his purposes and his agenda, not yours. Not yours. A lot of times we could use our talents and abilities to promote ourselves and to get ourselves out there. That's not what the Holy Spirit has gifted us for. Now, I'm not going to um, 
go into right now, just in a moment, we'll talk about what that agenda is specifically, but let's go to verse 7 as we go on, because now Paul's going to list what some of these gifts are. Verse 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You might want to underline that last verse. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit. So that's a list. There's another list in Romans 12. You can also go to Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Um, But I'm not going to go through each one in detail right now. I've given you a list in your Baywatch, a list of all the biblical gifts, spiritual gifts, and a definition and also a reference as to where you can find that. And I pray that you would really stop and evaluate and pray and ask God, what is my gift? Next week, Pastor Gary's going to come. He's going to talk a little bit more in detail about some of the sign gifts, in particular speaking in tongues, because I know that's a, a big controversial one. So he's going to um, come and, and show you what the Word says. And so that'll, that'll be insightful and helpful for us as a church. Uh, but what I want to do right now is I want to look at the agenda. If these gifts are to be directed by the Holy Spirit for his purposes, what, what's that purpose? What's the point of this? Well, according to verse 7, if we can go back really quick, we know that it's to benefit the whole, right? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? For For the common good. So we know that somehow it's benefiting the community. Write this down for truth number two. The Holy Spirit endows the parts to benefit the whole. The Holy Spirit is endowing the parts, giving parts different abilities to benefit the whole. Right, so as you write that down, think about this. He's not just endowing the parts and empowering the parts for the sake of that individual part, but for the sake of the, the whole congregation. He's ultimately using the gifts in each of us to do something in all of us. He's using the parts for the whole. Paul goes on to show this as he goes in, um, into detail on this, this analogy, right? And, and he says this. He says, look, the, the, the church is like the body of Christ. And I know we've heard that before, body of Christ. Yeah, we are the body of Christ. And we say it so flippantly, right? It's like so common in our vernacular, we're the body of Christ. But have you ever stopped to consider why, why this analogy? Why did the Holy Spirit specifically give this analogy? When he gave it to Paul to write down. I mean, there's so many analogies that he could have used. And they would have all worked, right? He could have said, call the church. Tell them this. Tell them that they are the fruit basket of Christ. We're, we're all different fruits. Some are sweet in this place. Some of us are bitter. Some of us are a little sour at times. Some of us are long and skinny. Some of us are short and plump. Some of us have different tastes. And different appearances. And yet somehow God is able to arrange us beautifully as the fruit basket of Christ. That would have worked. I mean, like we could have gone with that. That could have been normal to us. 
Or he could have said, you guys, you are the chain of Jesus. We're all different links in this chain. Um, by itself, not much. But when we link up and we connect, oh man, we form one chain. And when we're linked and connected, we're strong. We can carry burdens. We can carry loads. We're not easily broken. Because why? We are the chain of Christ. That would have worked. And yet out of all the analogies that, that the Spirit could have given to Paul, he says this, Paul, I want you to write down, tell them that the church, that they are the human body. They are the body of Christ. And you think about it, it is a very intentional, God-ordained analogy that he's giving us with great implications. Right, because he's telling us that we essentially, we are a living organism that's supposed to grow. But, but the emphasis on this analogy is that there's diversity. Diversity in parts, different abilities and giftings. Why? For the purpose of unity, that we would be one. Diversity promotes unity. How so? How does diversity promote unity? I'm going to leave you with two ways today. The first is this, if you want to write this down in your notes. Diversity causes us to depend on each other and grow in truth. Diversity causes us to depend on each other and grow in truth. Let me show you how he, he makes this point. Verse 12 goes on to say this. For just as the body is one and has many members talking about body parts, and all the members, body parts, of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of smell be? If the whole body were an ear, where would, the sen or where would be the sense? Okay, sorry, go back. 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now, I, I know that there's a lot of words there, but his point is clear. He made his point. We are designed to be different with different abilities. That is by design. On purpose, I can't do everything. On purpose, Crystal, you can't do anything. That is by design. Now, that's important for us to really get that down into our, our hearts. Why? Because it is human nature for us to look at what I have and see what I don't. It's, it's our nature to look at my gifts and then look at somebody else and then want their gifts. I don't care how gifted you are. You could have so many talents and abilities, but there will always be something you don't have, and then you will see it in someone else, and you will want what that person has. That's just our nature. I, I, I look at myself. I see what I don't have, and I'll be honest with you guys. I long for the gift of administration. I do. Like, I, there's a part of me that just really wants to be able to 
to be logistical and organized and detail-oriented and, and uh, be on top of things, get things done on time, and just execute. And for me, I know that that desire for that gift stems from insecurities, right? Because I, I hate being that guy. It's embarrassing when I'm that guy who can't get things done or who lets things fall through the cracks or he never responds to his emails as quickly as he should or, or he always gets things done late. And I, it's embarrassing. It's shameful. So I wish I had the gift of administration as I see in some other people. But I've come to thank God and realize why God didn't give me that person's gift. Why? So that I would need that person and their gift. So that I, I would depend on and benefit from that person and their gift. And so what God has done by design is he's, he's created this interdependence within the body. God has designed us not all to be able to do everything so that we would need each other and work together for a common good. Let me, let me try to illustrate this for you guys, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, so currently I'm trying to do like this no carb thing. I've been trying to cut out carbs uh, from my diet and, and sugar. Uh, but as I was walking through the kitchen and making my way back here, I, um, I saw this donut. And uh, I, I love donuts. Donuts are my weakness. And um, for the sake of a um, biblical illustration and for the, for the glory of God, I'm going to eat this donut right now in front of me. And this is for, for God's glory. And so I'm just going to break my diet right now. And in front of you, just, uh, mm. 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 glory, glory, glory. That's good. This is so good. <laughs> and as I eat this right now, and I think about it, thank God, I thank God for my elbows. Amen? Why? Because if I didn't have elbows, how in the world would I be able to get this donut to my mouth? How would I get this to my mouth? I could pick it up and I'd be drooling and salivating, but how would I get it to my mouth if my arms are stiff? But thank God for my elbows. <laughs> and really, as I think about it, thank God for my molars right now. Just breaking it down. Sorry to be so obnoxious eating like this, but... Thank God that my molars are breaking it down for me. Thank God for my salivary glands that are keeping it moist, moist and allowing it to be swallowed. Thank God for my esophagus, bringing it down to my stomach. Thank God for my central nervous system that's telling me, man, th this is good. These carbs are good. This is worth it. Thank God for my digestive system that's going to break it down for me. Now, as all these different parts are, are working together to get this donut into my system, which part is benefiting from this donut? It's my elbows? My molars? My esophagus? No. My body. My body is benefiting. My body is being fed. My body is being satisfied. My body is being strengthened and nourished. Maybe not strengthened, but it's being satisfied and, and fed. And in the same way, as, as the body parts work together to feed the body and help the body grow, in the same way the body of Christ, all the different parts, we work together to help the body 
grow. Now, Christ has given us these different gifts so that we can be interdependent for the purpose of, or interdependent for the purpose of unity, right? We just said that diversity promotes unity. Well, that sounds good, but unity in what? What's the goal? What are we trying to be unified in? Well, Ephesians chapter 4, if you turn to Ephesians 4, in that context where it talks about spiritual gifts and different spiritual roles, it says here's the purpose in verse 12. It's to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Would you underline that? Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's a purpose here. What are we being united in? Well, ultimately, we're serving each other to be united in, in the same faith and in the same knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, that, that, that might sound obvious, right? But I want to say it is so important that, that we believe the same thing. That we have the same understanding, the same faith, and the same knowledge of Christ. And yeah, yeah, we do. Jesus is Lord and Savior. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again. We all believe that. That's why we're here. But the reality is, I think there's actually quite a diverse understanding of God and his, and his word. We might agree on the core things, and that's, of course, the core thing. That's the major thing, so praise God for that. But then there are things about God or about his word that we may not agree on. And I know that because there's so many people in this place who call this home who come from different backgrounds. There are people who come from charismatic backgrounds, some who come from conservative, reformed backgrounds. There's people who come from Pentecostal backgrounds, people who come from Lutheran backgrounds, some people who come from Methodist backgrounds, some people who come from Catholic backgrounds. Some of you guys grew up in a Buddhist home, a Jewish home. Maybe you were an atheist growing up. And so through the years, we, we all have these doctrines and this, this theology that, that has formed over the year, and now we're bringing it all into one place. And we may agree that Jesus is Lord, but there are certain things that we may disagree on. Someone might say, God works like this. And someone else may say, God doesn't work like that. He works like this. Someone else might say, that, that, that's not from the word of God. That, that's not taught. Someone says, oh, yes, it is. And we can have all these different thoughts. And I want to say, I don't believe that God is glorified. At least he is not most glorified and most honored when there's a diversity of understandings. When there's a diversity of knowledge. God is glorified when we are unified in the truth. And so the diversity in our spiritual gifts and our service is meant to bring unity in our faith and knowledge so that there wouldn't be diversity in our faith and knowledge. Right? God is not honored in us believing different things about him. He's honored by us believing the right things about him. He's honored when we believe the truth about him. So, so one of you might uh, go out there, for example, and you might um, be trying to get people to come to our church, and let's say one of you wants to use me and say, hey, you should come and, and check out our pastor. He's so cool. 
And, and, and you use this, you go, man, you, seriously, he's such, he's, a, he's such a cool pastor because when he was a, a senior at West High, he was the, the homecoming king. And you might, you might want to tell that to them. And you might, you might say that he was homecoming king for a lot of good reasons. I mean, yeah, he was the valedictorian his senior year. You might throw that in there if you want. And then you might say, and it probably helps that he was the starting quarterback of the varsity team that year that led him to the CIF championship. And you could go out there and tell him, you should come to our church and check out our pastor. He's so cool. And you might think that's flattering to me. And you might think that's, that's honoring to me. But I want to tell you, it is not. That does not flatter me or honor me. Why? Because that's not true. None of those things are true about me. I was not the homecoming king. Uh, I was not even close to being valedictorian. I am dumber than you know. And I can't even throw a football. I can't even throw a spiral. So don't go tell peop telling people that I was all these things when that's not an accurate representation of me. It sounds nice, but that's not me. It loves me when you know who I am. And you know the things about me that are true. That honors me. And so we could believe things about God that sound nice and make them look a certain way. But if it's not true, he is not glorified. And so when we as a church are unified in the truth, then he is most glorified in this church. And so we got to work together and, and help each other come to that. Now, let's get practical. How, how does this church begin to look like that? Well, when those of you who are gifted in serving, start serving. And you gifted in helping, start helping. And those of you guys gifted in administration, start administering. And, and those of you guys who are gifted in hospitality, go, go and show hospitality. Why? Because when we carry the work of the ministry, and you guys take care of these different things, I know for me, speaking for myself, probably speaking for Pastor Gary as well, that frees us up not to have to do these things so that what? We can focus on studying the word of God, seeking the spirit. God, what do you want to teach our church? So that we can prepare these messages, pour adequate time into our studies, and, and bring the word of God on the weekend when everybody gathers. And on the weekend, those of you guys who serve in ITM and kids crew, according to your gifts, are allowing people to come and hear the preaching of the word of God. And when you greet people with a friendly smile and usher them to their seats in friendliness, you're creating an atmosphere and facilitating an experience of people hearing the preaching of the word of God. And when you do the slides just right, thank you, you're helping people see the word of God. And when you make the sound just right, you're helping people hear the word of God. And when you sign, you're helping people to see the word of God. And we're all coming together so that as one body, we could come to learn one truth about one Christ in one spirit. Now the question is, how do we know that you pastors are teaching us the one truth? Who are, who's to say that what you say is true? Well, that's where you come in. If you have the gift of discernment, or you have the gift of wisdom, or you have the gift of knowledge, that's your, your time to serve. If I'm saying something that's off, you come and you serve and you point it out. So together as the body of Christ, we can grow together in unity. God is most glorified when we are unified. So, so let's start there. Diversity causes us to depend on each other and grow in truth. But secondly, I want to show you that diversity causes us to care for each other and grow in love. 
right? On a very practical and spiritual level, we're helping each other with our kids to grow in the truth. But on a, on a relational level and also spiritual level, when we serve each other, we're learning to care for each other and grow united in love. And that matters, right? Because the more we serve and the more interdependent we are and the more I realize you have what I don't have and I need you, the more I care about you and I see your value and I see your significance and I see your uniqueness in Christ. Look what he says in verse 21. He goes on in his teaching. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. You can pause right there. So what, what he's saying here is even the parts that you think are less honorable or less significant, those are the parts that we need and we honor. And he goes so far in this human body analogy. I don't know if you noticed that, but in verse 23, he says, our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. That analogy right there, he's literally saying our private parts, like our, our, our sexual organs are treated by the parts of the body with modesty. Like the other parts of the body are going to work to cover up our private parts so as not to shame that part and expose that part. Why? Because we care for each other. Like we're concerned about each other. And, and that's the picture that he's drawing. Literally, we learn to love every single part. I, I, I used to be an avid snowboarder before I picked up surfing. I used to snowboard all the time. And I was just a young college student at the time. I was, I was a knucklehead because right when I learned how to snowboard, like literally the second time I went, I was already trying to fly off the jumps. I was trying to ride the rails, ride on the boxes. And I'm telling you, I would do that all day on the slopes and all day I would just eat it. Like I would literally just fall all day. I would scrape my elbows. I would bang my head. I would bruise my tailbone. Like one after the other, I just kept falling and it hurt. And the next day, especially the first few times I snowboarded, the next day I'd wake up and I'd been in so much pain. Like my whole body was just in so much pain. But you know what I noticed? You know what part of my body was the most sore every time I went snowboarding? The, the part of my body that was most sore was my, my triceps. And that, that boggled my mind. I, was, I, I couldn't help but think, when in the world do I use my triceps? Like, do I ever fall? I, I mean, that's even hard. How do you even fall on your triceps? I'd never fall on my triceps. Like, do I use my triceps when I snowboard? Like, do I snowboard, like, in a funny way and, and use my triceps? When I, is that, am I that ridiculous when I snow? And I'm like, why are my triceps sore? But then I thought about it, and I realized I've, I was using my triceps the whole day, and I didn't realize it. Why? Because I, I, I thought about it. Every time I fell, it was, it was my triceps. It was my triceps getting me back up. Every time I took a spill, 
whichever position I was, it was my, my, my triceps that would get me back up onto my feet, off my behind, and, and get me going again. The whole time, I didn't realize that this muscle behind my arm was working behind the scenes. Was my tricep benefiting from that? Absolutely. Soreness is a sign of muscle growth. Soreness means that your muscles being worked out, your muscle fibers are being torn apart, and as it repairs itself to strengthen itself, it's, it's growing. And so absolutely, my triceps were benefiting from that whole experience, but ultimately, it wasn't to benefit my triceps. What were my triceps doing? It was helping the body. Every time the body fell, every time the body suffered, it was working behind the scenes when, when I wasn't aware of it, but it was getting the body back up and help, helping move it forward. There may be some of you in this church, and, and you look at what you have and how you've been made, and you might think, I have nothing good to offer. You, you might think that my little gift, if any, doesn't compare to that person with those great gifts and those sensational gifts. Some of you might feel, I am so inadequate. I am so insufficient. I have nothing good to offer the kingdom of God. And the Bible this morning would tell you, wrong. You're absolutely wrong. You are more valuable than you know. You are more useful than you realize. The Holy Spirit has gifted you and wants to use you. And you, no matter who you are and what you have, you are indispensable. Meaning we can't dispense of you. We can't get rid of you. Why? Because we need you. God has made you uniquely and has gifted you specifically for the work of his kingdom. And he wants to use you. And as we work together more and more, we're going to see that in each other. I'm going to realize what you have and how much I need you. But that comes when we're faithful to serving. I'm going to tell you especially we're going to realize how much we love each other, how much we care for each other and value each other. When God allows parts of the body to suffer, it's sometimes in suffering and in trial that we, we really realize why God put you here. He closes off the passage like this in verse 24, the second half. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but instead that the members may have the same care for one another. Underline that. That the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. In fact, underline that whole last verse. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You know, I, I thank you guys because um, ever since I got this uh, ear injury uh, from my surfing accident, uh, this is like months ago, and not a week goes by where you guys aren't still asking, how are you doing? How's your ear? How's your hearing? Every single week. And I thank you for that. And just a little update, it's still not perfectly uh, back. It's probably at 80%, maybe 85% on some days, and it, it rings constantly. Um, but, but here's what God's been showing me through this, that as this ear is deficient and it's not at 100%, I've come to thank God so much that I have a right ear. 
because I've seen my right ear step up. And as I'm trying to listen to people in, in the lobby or in a restaurant where it's loud, I depend so heavily now in this season on my right ear to hear what my left ear can't. And so you'll see me position myself or I'll literally change seats so my right ear can do the work. It's stepping up for, for my left ear. And not only that, I'm so thankful that my eyes were okay from that accident. I didn't get nailed in the eye. Why? Because I've learned to start hearing with my eyes. And so when I'm talking to you in the lobby and I'm just staring at your lips, I'm not trying to be creepy. I'm, I'm just trying to see what you're saying and trying to figure out what in the world is going on in this conversation. I'm le- learning to see what you say. And that's sending messages to my brain and telling me what's going on. So a couple things are happening when this one is suffering. One, I'm so much more thankful that I, I had this ear my whole life. I, I took it for granted. I start to love this ear a lot more than I did before. But also, I, I start to love the other parts of my body that are stepping up and caring for it. These other parts that are working overtime because of what it can't do. So that happens in the body. We learn to love and care for one another the more we serve and even when we suffer. You know, one person I've come to love on our staff and in our church is Pastor Dave. Uh, Pastor Dave, I've come to realize that he has gifts that I wish I had. He's been gifted in ways that, that I haven't been, and I thank God for that. I, I told you earlier how I, I wish I had the gift of administration, but I thank God I don't have administration. Why? Because where I fail miserably, I've seen people like Pastor Dave excel, and I've come to learn to appreciate him and depend on him and look to him and love working with him because he can do what I can't do. And I, I think God loves this church so much that he would give us the scriptures, today's lesson in 1 Corinthians 12 and how he's created us. And then, and then he allows us as a church, as one to experience exactly what he's saying. So I want to bring out Pastor Dave, and I, I pray that as he shares a bit of his story, that this is going to drive this whole message home. Pastor Dave. Thank you, Pastor Greg. Um, yeah, you know, it's, um, thank you. Yeah, just seeing how this passage, you know, really ties in, uh, I think I've been able to see firsthand over, over this past month or so just how the body of Christ functions together. And, um, you know, just to give you guys a little bit of context, I've kind of been going through some physical struggles lately. Uh, you know, just about a couple months ago, I was getting ready to go to Uganda. Our team that's there right now um, was looking at that, and I went in for my yearly physical just to kind of get everything checked out, make sure I was good to go. But Kind of leading into that, I'd been having some problems with my tongue, uh, just where it was just becoming more and more sensitive to eat, uh, more discomfort. So I mentioned it to my doctor. Uh, he sent me to uh, an ENT uh, to, to get it looked at. And as a precaution, she took a biopsy of the area just to make sure everything was okay. You know, I was just super surprised. About a week later, she called um, told me that it tested positive for cancer. And, uh, you know, since then, it's really just been a whirlwind as the doctors have been trying to figure out how to treat this. You know, what's the extent of the cancer? What do they need to do to treat this? Uh, they, what they've told me so far is that uh, they will need to remove the cancer from my tongue. And so to do that, they said it's a pretty decent size right now, um, but they'll have to remove part of my tongue. We'll have to take that part out. Uh, they think it'll be less than half, but they won't really know for sure until they, they get in there for the surgery. And it's pretty crazy that they'll actually uh, they'll reconstruct that part of my tongue, kind of using uh, parts of my forearm. Um, 
They also, just as a precaution, they want to take out some of my lymph nodes to make sure the cancer hasn't spread anywhere. Uh, and they'll, from that, they'll kind of determine if I need radiation or not. But as I've been thinking through this, uh, you know, it just blows me away, kind of looking at, at the service today and the passage we're looking at, uh, you know, this one small part of my body, my tongue, how it affects so much. You know, it's kind of um, set off all this chain of events. You know, it, it's begun to affect my ability to eat. You know, eating has gotten harder and harder and just what I can actually chew. Swallowing has gotten more difficult. And, and even just speaking for long periods of time uh, have gotten harder as well. Um, you know, tending to this one small part, uh, it'll be about eight-hour surgery, uh, and then I'll be in the hospital for about a week and about three to four weeks of recovery. But, you know, as I was, like, just processing all this and thinking through it and praying on it, uh, it's funny the, the stuff that sticks to you and, and that really is t difficult for you to deal with. And I think when I was thinking through this whole thing, the one piece of news that they shared with me that, that really was difficult was they shared that it would probably be about three to four months before I was able to speak, uh, you know, close to what, how I speak now. Uh, it could be a little longer depending on how the surgery goes. And I think, man, that was really difficult for me. And as I tried to unpack that, why is that such a struggle? I think it's because my speech is such a big part of my identity, you know, a big part of what I do. You know, I love serving here at the church, um, you know, and I think about not being able to teach or not being able to come up here and MC or just sharing in my life group or, you know, encouraging people, even just saying a prayer out loud, like I won't be able to do those things. And um, I'm hoping my speech will get back to normal, but just the doubt of that, I mean, it was something that was very difficult for me to come to terms with. Um, I'm also, you know, a little over two and a half months away from, from getting married uh, to my fiance Sarah. And uh, I think it deeply saddens me that, you know, I'm kind of bringing all of this into this time where, you know, we're planning for our future. Uh, and now this is, is really taking center stage. And, you know, Sarah, she, she's amazing. She's been so loving and caring in so many ways uh, through this. But, but I can't help but feel like this, this heavy sense of grief that we're gonna have to deal with all this, you know, just the, the financial strain and and uh, even just communicating is gonna be a challenge and not being sure if I can, uh, you know, even say my vows at the altar, you know? Um, and I was just thinking the other day, just simple things we take for granted every day, me asking her how her day is or just letting her know I love her now, I won't be able to do that for a while, you know, instead maybe through text or through writing it down. and. You know, all of these things have been a real challenge, you know, but I, I think what's coming through it all is that without a shadow of a doubt, you know, I know God is in control. I've seen his hand moving in so many ways through this process and the doctors that he's blessed me with and originally the surgery being in July and then moving it back to June, which just, you know, gets this cancer out now and gives me more time to recover before the wedding. Um, you know, and, and I think I'm realizing that, you know, my identity, as much as I love to, to serve and as much as I love to speak, that, that's not who I am and that's not how God views me. You know, whether I get my speech back in a week or a couple months or maybe it never comes back the way I want it to, like I'm a child of God and that's how God sees me and these things don't define me and don't define how God sees me. And I've just been trying to hold on to that more and more and more. Um, so I know this, this is just a season and it'll pass. Um, and I know there are a lot of you out there that are struggling as well. Maybe it's physical, maybe even way worse than this. Maybe it's relational, financial. Um, but I keep holding on to this verse that Pastor Greg is sharing in 1 Corinthians 12, that if one member suffers, we all suffer. And if one member is honored, we all rejoice together. And I've really felt that uh, from my family, who's been so supportive, to my lovely Sarah, as she's just taking care of me, to the ones I've had the chance to share this news with, and just the support and the prayers from the body of Christ. And so 
you know, if you guys are struggling today, going through something, you know, I know the pastors and staff here, we would love to just be here with you and really put this verse in action to support you, to pray for you, to be there for you. Uh, so tomorrow morning, I'll be going in for the surgery pretty early in the morning. And uh, just my prayer, my hope is that before you know it, you know, I'll be back up here uh, sharing with you guys, um, you know, sharing announcements and telling you where the Connect card is. And, you know, even more importantly than that, just worshiping with you guys. Um, but I thank you so much for, for just the family of Christ that God has provided me with. So, uh, so many um, emotions. It's really, uh... dude, you don't even cry. I'm just getting out of here a mess. I've known Dave for 24 years. Came to our church when he was 18 years old. And um, so he's such a part of, of uh, my life and our family's life that, uh, you know, just, it just uh, sucked the wind out of us. And um, I appreciate a couple things. You know, one is I've just been so encouraged this weekend because Two people came up to us this weekend and said, I had the very same thing. And they just talk like you never think anything ever happened to them. Another doctor came up today, uh, an oncologist, and he just said, man, I he was asking questions and said, man, I know your doctors, they're the best in the world. And all that was just so encouraging that I, I think Dave's going to come out of this really fine, but... Here are a couple things that I, that I, I shared, I want to share with you. And that is, I told Dave, I said, if you can never speak again, you don't ever have to worry about your job because you will always have a job here. The second thing is, whatever extra expenses there are related to this, don't worry about it. Your church will cover it. Your family here at South Bay will cover it. So uh, I just want to assure him of that. Uh, third, um, you know, he goes into surgery tomorrow. We're asking, families asked that there not be any visitors for, um, for the week. Uh, he'll probably be in the hospital for a week. I mean, if, and I know, the, I know your heart. Your heart is like my heart. It's like we all want to go to the hospital, take some flowers. And if we did that, there'd be 1,000 people there. And they'd probably have to shut the hospital down because they would think that something must have happened, that there's so many people there. And so, uh, so we're going to ask, um, if you don't mind, until uh, he's, he's out of the hospital and everything like that, that, that you not come and visit or send flowers, any of those things. Uh, to keep you posted on what's going on, we um, added a page to our, uh, our website, southbaycommunitychurch.com. It's going to look like this. And it's, it's going live right now. Uh, it hasn't been live until after this service because we wanted to, we don't want you to find out about this on, online, but we wanted to find you to find it about this in person. So it's going live now, and you can go there and you can actually pray for him, write out a prayer. You can send him an email, and he'll get all of that. And as soon as we get the results of the uh, the surgery tomorrow, we will post it here. You'll be the first ones to find out about it. We're going to post it there, and you can go there and just find out how he's doing and keep him in your prayers. You know, one of the things that I appreciate about Pastor Dave is just his willingness to come before all of you in this setting for so many people and then just spill his guts. And that kind of transparency is really uh, needed because one of the things that you learn from this whole situation is how much, you know, and I know Pastor Dave's learned this, how much he needs us, how much he needs 
you, how much he needs this church. And that's true for all of you, because as, as he said, I know there are people in this room, and you're going through some stuff, maybe even worse than what he's going through, because you experienced a tragic death in the family. And I've heard of a couple just in the last couple of weeks that are just heartbreaking. And unless you come and share that with us, unless you come and tell your church family about it, then we don't have any way of knowing who you are, and we have no way of praying for you, and we want and no way of just giving you a hug, and we want so much to do that. Not just talking about the three pastors or the five pastors that you have here, but every one of us. And so if you have something going on in your life, share it with us. Tell, tell the people here so that we can all, so the whole church can come around you and pray for you. So that whole thing. And then a couple of other things, and I want to just ask you to pray for him. But one is, um, last night he was just telling me that after the service was done, because he was talking to so many people that his tongue was just throbbing, it was just hurting. And so if you could limit your conversations with him today, you know, he was, I know that Pastor Dave's heart is to be out there in the lobby. He's like, I don't even know if I can be out there because, you know, if I have to keep talking to people, it's so hard. And, you know, he, he loves to talk and he loves you. But if you would limit uh, yourself to comments to him, you know, just like, Dave, I just love you. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Instead of asking him questions that requires him to talk too much, that would be really helpful to him. Um, and then finally, I just want to let you know that tonight at 7 o'clock, we're going to just have a one-hour prayer meeting. If you, if you have time tonight, and I know it's a last-minute thing, but if you can come tonight just to pray. Uh, and, of course, if you can't, that's fine. You just, you, wherever you're at, you just pray for him. Uh, I'm going to pray for him tonight from 7 to 8. And um, I know there's some things going on here at the church, and that's okay. Uh, and then, of course, tomorrow, uh, he, surgery starts at 7.30. Might last around eight hours. So anytime you think about it, tomorrow. You know, in fact, I would even encourage you, you might want to consider even fasting and praying um, just to give a little more power to that prayer, okay? So, so do those things. And right now, so let's close our time uh, by praying for Pastor Dave. And I want to ask all of you to stand, all right? So even if you're in the lobby, uh, if, you don't, if you're in the lobby and you want to just come in here and join us for this part of it, um, because we're going to have communion right afterwards, come on in. Uh, if you've got kids, just bring them with you, okay? And if, and if, you, want to, if you still want to stay out there, just stay out there. I'm going to ask all of you to stand, even in the lobby. And we're going to pray for Pastor Dave. Got our elders and our pastors up here. And I want to ask you to do this, all right? I want, I want to ask you, wherever you're at, to pray out loud, all right? To pray out loud. And... Don't be Asian if you're Asian. Or just, you know, just, just say it, right? Be loud, right? Because I know that when Pastor Dave hears you praying for him, it's going to bless him and encourage him. So we're all going to pray out loud. We're not going to try to out loud each other, but just we're going to pray out loud. And God's going to hear every single one of your prayers. If you're primary language is Spanish, then pray in Spanish. If your primary language is, is Korean, then pray in Korean. That's okay. Pray in your language. Pray, as loud, you know, pray loud. Pray for him, and then, and then I'll close that time out, okay? We'll close that part of it out, and, um, and we'll be done, and then, we'll, and then we'll finish off the service, all right? So let's pray. I just, you can pray out loud.
Heavenly Father, it is so amazing to us that you could hear the voices of hundreds of people all at once. And not just hundreds, but thousands and millions and even billions. If everyone cried out to you at the same time, you would hear every single prayer. You would hear all these distinct voices in all these different languages. And you would understand every single one. It wouldn't come into ear, come into your ear as loud noises and babble and confusion. But you would hear every single prayer. And that is a testament and a tribute to who you are and how big you are and how powerful you are. God, there is no one like you. There is no one higher than you. There's no one more powerful than you. There's no one greater than you. And we're so thankful, Father, that you are our God and that you are are Pastor Dave's God. And God, we want to come before you this morning to raise up, to lift up your servant Dave before you and ask God that you would heal him in in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we know that you have the power, the wherewithal, that tomorrow when he goes into surgery and the doctors make that first incision, we we know that you have the power for there not to be any cancer there whatsoever. And we ask in the name of Jesus that that would be the case, God, that they would go in there and they'd say, hey, where's the cancer? We thought he had cancer. But Father, should you choose to do something different then so be it. Father, we don't like the diagnosis and we know, we know, God, that you were not even surprised by it. You knew a long time ago that this was going to happen. You knew a long time ago that we would be here today. You knew a long time ago that Dave was going to marry Sarah in September. And so nothing surprises you. And Father, should this be your choice for Dave tomorrow? And again, we ask in the name of Jesus that the cancer wouldn't be what the doctors thought it would be. That would be so insignificant. It would be so small. And that only a very small part of his tongue would have to be removed, if any of it at all. And God, we we ask that you would give the surgeon skill. We ask, God, that you would give them wisdom. We ask, God, that his recovery would be rapid and quick, so quick, God, that he'd be out of the be out of the hospital even before the week is done and the doctors would say, we can't believe it. We can't believe they would be able to go home so soon, but we would believe it. We believe it because we believe that you can do anything, that nothing is too hard for you. So God, we lift up Dave to you. We're, we're, we're desperate for you. We ask God that you would continue to touch him and right now we ask you would heal him. And Father, would you continue to draw him and Sarah closer to you and to each other. We're so excited, Father. We can't wait for that day when they are going to be husband and wife. And we pray, God, that this would just, would would be even, they'll be able to look back at it years later and say, what a little blip it was. So, Father, we thank you so much for, for him. And, Father, I 
I want to pray for the people in this room right now too. There's so many. And maybe they're experiencing something even worse than what Pastor Dave is experiencing right now. And I pray, God, that you would touch their hearts too. You are so big, God. And, and, and what they're going through is not a surprise to you. And God, we, don't, we, we do the one thing we know to do, and that is just to run to you at a time like this, to cry out to you at a time like this. And we're, and we're just so thankful, Lord, for Jesus. We're so thankful that he paid the ultimate price by dying on a cross for our sins. God, what would we do without you? What would we do without the fact that you sent Jesus to us? So, Lord, we love you with all of our hearts, and, and we love Dave. And we lift him up to you again one more time. We ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you would heal him. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Amen.